1: It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn. We're starting off our show today with an update on something that's been making headlines now for, for really a couple of weeks because anti-government protests have been breaking out over the last fortnight in Iran, resulting in deaths, injury and crackdowns from the authorities. So this began with the death of Masa Amini, who is a was a 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman. She had been apprehended by the Morality Police, uh, so-called Morality Police in Iran for for improper observance of the country's compulsory hijab laws before dying three days later in custody. So wearing the hijab has been compulsory in Iran since the 1979 revolution and what her death did was sparked um, really the first big show of opposition on Iran's streets since protests against a rise in gasoline prices in 2019. To give you some sense of the scope, although reports are are differing and there are different numbers being brought up by state media versus by uh, rights organisations within the country. So according to state media, at least, uh, there have been at least 1,200 arrests, uh, over 70 people reportedly killed, although unofficial numbers are said to be higher. And the protests have also broken out and taken place in more than 80 cities, including Tehran. Now, while previous recent protests, as mentioned the one in 2019, as well as others, have primarily focused on economic issues, these recent rallies appear to have crossed social factions and classes with a wider call for reform and the fall of the regime. So yesterday, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi said that the death of Masa Amini had saddened everyone in the Islamic Republic but warned that chaos would not be accepted. Uh, He has also said that he's calling for further investigation. You may also have seen, not just in the news reports, but also in the various photos and videos that have been going out everywhere, um, that female protesters, some of them, have removed and burned their hijabs in rallies, um, cutting off their hair as well, that that has been a, a symbolic act of protest. So... Musawa, which is a global movement for equality and justice in the Muslim family, released a statement uh, in which they said they are appalled uh, at the weaponization of Islam to justify discrimination against women. Uh, they also listed a number of suggestions as a way to um, prevent injustice against women, calling for Muslims to stand in solidarity to amplify the voices of women in Iran, uh, calling Muslim leaders and thinkers from all countries, races, genders, and sex to stand in solidarity with the voices of people in Iran who are fighting for their right to freedom, dignity and justice. They're also calling for things like the immediate release of people arrested, uh, demanding a thorough review and repeal of oppressive laws, among other things. And that's what we're going to be getting into shortly with our guest, who is representing Musawa Fatima Qureshi, who is their communications program officer. But in the meantime, um, let us know we're talking today um, or just... Getting at a general update of what the situation is and what is being asked for uh, in the protests in Iran, we'd like to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? You can call 7733 send us a voice note or WhatsApp, zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM Radio.
0: Break from mediocrity, BFM 89.9.
1: It is 5.13 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn. We're starting off our show today by looking at the protests that have been happening over the last two weeks in Iran, uh, which began with the death of Masa Amini, who was a 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman. We'd like to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? You can call 7733 2900 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Fatima Qureshi, Communications Program Officer at Musawa. Fatima, thank you so much for speaking with us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So uh, Musawa released a statement on what's happening in Iran and the killing of Masa Amini. Can you talk to us about that and uh, what the stand of the organisation is?
0: Yes, of course. I mean, as you said, um, she was a young Kurdish Iranian woman who was brutally murdered by the morality police of Iran. And she was beaten several times on the head after her arrest for wearing, you know, the so-called improper hijab. And this was among many other state murders that was committed systematically and purposefully by the state of Iran. So our stance um, as Musawa and we're a movement that fosters equality and justice in the Muslim family is that we are horrified and very much appalled by the way that Islam has been abused to justify, you know, the use of violence and discrimination against women and the constant policing of their bodies. And it's important because this is in direct contradiction to the very spirit and letter of Islam because one thing that we um, mentioned to our, you know, people in the movement advocates and activists is that You know, Islamic teachings, the basis of it is to be fair and to live a just life. And any laws or policies that coerce women and men to limit their freedom of will to practice their beliefs are, in fact, in clear violation of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And it's this very choice that helps humankind to fulfill its destiny. And so there's this one quote from the Quran that I just want to mention, is that there is no compulsion in religion. The right direction is clearly distinguished from the wrong. And this quote is so important because this is the very essence of what women in Iran and everywhere else are fighting against, that we tell women that your source of power is actually weaponized against you in the name of Islam. And compulsion and this lack of choice is in fact an anathema to the message of Islam and the way that we have been taught growing up.
1: The statement also referenced the fact that uh, thousands of women have been reprimanded in the past. Why do you think uh, Masa's death has sparked this sort of tidal wave of opposition and protest at this particular moment in time?
0: Yes, so that's actually interesting because in the past year or so, the government has become continually very progressive and very violent. In fact, as recently in July, the Iranian government rolled out a new hijab policy, the compulsory hijab policy. And that's where we started seeing a lot of videos of morality police officers violently enforcing strict laws that went viral. But it also comes at a very difficult time um, for Iranian people, because the economy continues to flounder, in part because of the U.S. imposed sanctions, there have been intensified crackdowns and regressive laws being pushed onto women. There have been increased arrests of lawyers, political and civil rights activists, and journalists. So overall, the situation has been very volatile, and let's just say the people of Iran are very angry. And so these, the protests that have swept the country has kind of unleashed this, you know pent-up determination to create real change in Iran. Um, And, you know, this has been a long time coming in the sense that in 2009, when the the protests happened, there were also multiple arrests of women who were protesting, who were exercising their rights um, to assembly. Um, there were other women that were arrested for wearing allegedly inappropriate clothing. And this was all back in 2009. And so this is not just, you know, the very first incident where the morality enforcers um, harass women for letting a bit too much hair peek out of their mandatory headscarves or allow skin to show at their ankles, because these actions by the enforcers and by the state, um, by extension, are arbitrary. And this enforcement and these acts of enforcement are, in fact, very random as well. Like, there's this quote I want to give out by a protester who's actually 19 years old, and she plans to be a civil engineer. And she says, um, and I quote, the Islamic Republic ignored us women and destroyed two entire generations of women, and it only got worse. But they never knew that the rage was just intensifying beneath the surface. And this girl, Miss Amini, has united us all because we could all relate to her, not just women, even men. She's the embodiment of our plight. In one word, she is Iran, and Iran is suffering.
1: What is the ultimate objective of the protests currently happening?
0: Yes, so the ultimate objective can be summarized in the central demand or slogan, if you will, of the movement. And the slogan is women life freedom which is originally a kurdish slogan actually and it speaks to the very broadness and intensiveness of the demands of the movement right now so women and the evisceration um, of their freedoms are for the first time since the islamic revolution of 1979 the catalyst for demonstrations demanding reform of the state apparatus for so-called improper observance of the country's compulsory hijab laws so for years Iranians have reeled from this growing sense of hopelessness due to an economy crushed by U.S.-led sanctions, mismanagement of funds and corruption, political disenfranchisement. So the demand not just illustrated through the slogan is exactly what Musawa echoes, which is a reform of laws that enshrine currently injustice against women and prevent them from living their full humanity as intended by God in the Qur'an.
1: One of the much reported ways in which the protests are taking place is with the removing and burning of the hijab as well as women cutting their hair. Can you talk to us about the significance of these acts of protest? So
0: these actions have been i feel personally um, taken out of context a lot and people have been opportunistic in the sense that they are calling it islamophobic and some people also included as you know part of this are is the Iranian government and we know that this movement is led by women and iranian women have always played a central role within movement spaces both before and after the revolution so what we're seeing now is a natural culmination of not only women taking up leadership within system change in iran but also decades of state oppression against women, and particularly focused on women's bodies in public spaces. So in, in Iran, these acts of removing, burning, and cutting is not Islamophobic, but what we have to remember is a symbol of resistance to state domination and control and policing over women's bodies.
1: Comparisons have also been drawn between the protests in Iran, but also the fight in India and France for Muslim women to be able to wear the hijab, with the focus really being on women's right to choose uh, with bodily autonomy. What's your take on this?
0: Yes, so this has been a conversation that's pretty much all over social media. And what I would first begin by saying is that context is very important, especially for us at Mozawa. Um, for instance, like you mentioned, you know, the Iranian women burning the headscarves they have been forced to wear is very different than what you're seeing in India where fascists are burning the hijab as they attack Muslims. Mm. So as we said in also the statement, um, this compulsory enforcement of the hijab that we're witnessing in Iran and the forced removal of the hijab that we see in you know most um, Muslim minority contexts like India and France. What they have in common, though, is that they're both state policies that deny women their bodily autonomy and freedom of choice. And this is what we're condemning. We're condemning this use of Islam as a weapon to perpetuate violence and harm against women. But what I also want to mention is that it's not about the hijab per se, but about the abuse of the religion by the state and by men in power.
1: In your view, is there enough reporting on what's happening on the ground in Iran, especially considering access to the internet has been shut down within the country?
0: Yes, so this has been something that we have been, you know, finding it a lot of difficulty to get information from, especially the last few days. In fact, I have an Iranian friend here in, uh, in Malaysia, in KL, and she just told me yesterday that she hasn't been in touch with her mother for the last four or five days. And just hearing that is so devastating because if I wasn't able to contact my own mother who who was old and frail and I can't check in on her, I would be completely devastated. And in terms of reporting in the media, the one thing that we see happening, like I said, is the mass arrest of journalists and photographers, photojournalists that we see that it's gradually getting worse and worse day by day. Um, and at the same time, the disruptions of the internet network daily observed in the whole country has been blocking um, the DNS servers. That you know, the, the functioning of the DNS servers ensure the connection to the global network, and that's why everyone's been cut off. And many sites and VPN servers too, where these are the only tools to actually counter these blockages. So, you know, while these shutdowns have been happening, the one thing that we have been noticed, which is you know, really strong signs of hope is that other people the Iranian people in the diaspora and other muslim women and men around the world even non-muslim women and men around the world have been speaking very you know strongly left right and center to center you know Mahsa Amini to amplify the hashtag Amini women life freedom and what's happening in Iran to actually counter this very shutdown that's happening in Iran because it's not just that it's also the way that they have increased cyber surveillance powers um, as they have you know um, let the shutdown of the internet and everything else in, in the country and that has allowed the regime to control more uh, more speech and what can and cannot happen in the country which is far worse and that's why women are not talking about the issue with the hijab, it's about freedom. At the centre of it is freedom. And gradually the country is taking freedom away from them. So if
1: we look at the statement, um, among the things that Musawa was uh, calling for, reforms to ensure justice and rights for women, starting with Muslims and Muslim countries to stand in solidarity with the women of Iran, can you tell us about how other countries have or or haven't rallied around this cause?
0: Yeah, so about this, I think what I can say um, as part of the movement is not about how other countries have rallied or not, but the way that the rallying and the process of reform is very long-winded. And we say that because for you know, since the mid twentieth century or even ten years ago since Musawa was launched in two thousand nine, we've been working with over, you know, two hundred and fifty people from forty-seven countries with Muslim majority populations and, and with Muslim minorities who have codified or uncodified laws that govern family relationships. And there are many countries that are in the process of reforming laws, and this process is very long and change is not easy. For instance, But, you know, there were some good things that came out of it in 2004. In Morocco, um, we were able to accomplish substantive reform of family laws on the basis of justice and equality, which are the two very key and core values of Islam that we practice in our knowledge building work. And we also see that in other countries like Tunisia and whatnot, but there are countries like... Um, Iran, for example, which would not allow this to happen because of the very oppressive nature of the state. And they haven't even ratified a lot of the international human rights standard. For example, the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, um, an international treaty that was adopted in 1979 by the UNGA to be an international bill of rights for women. If they haven't done that then we can also see that it's it's very difficult for a lot of the other Muslim countries to also speak up. But what we can say for sure is as Musawa, you know, one of the most important things that we bring into the movement, working with advocates, lawyers and scholars are four things and four principles so the first one is islamic teachings and the belief that islam is just and justice is context-bound the second is women's lived realities which is very important because they're meant to be front and center when you're producing knowledge of islam about the quran and even the interpretations of the quran then we have the egalitarian and reading of the sacred text and finally drawing on human rights principles so if you look at it, the call is not just on governments, but on ordinary people to say that gender equality, justice and non-discrimination are normalized as inherent in Islam and reflected in laws and cultural practices.
1: We have just 30 seconds left with you. Uh, in closing, what can we do to continue amplifying the voices of the women in Iran?
0: I would say continue doing what you're doing um, on online because there's been an outpouring of support and reporting on the protests. And that's what we're seeing, that women are at the forefront and the young generation are the ones that are at the forefront and they're angry and their bodily rights and autonomy is important. And if we can continue to create this continuum to recognize these internet, intersectional struggles that women and marginalized bodies are experiencing through our privilege and freedom online, you know, people that are outside in Iran, then that's the least we can do. We can even make a video, you know, you can cut your hair, you can share it on social media and boost Iranian voices and use your freedom to say her name, that her name was Mahasa Amini.
1: Fatima, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me once again. That was Fatima Qureshi, Co- Communications Programme Officer at Musawa, uh, talking to us about the protests that have happened uh, in Iran as a result of the death of Maza Amini. Let us know what are your thoughts on this. You can call us, WhatsApp us, tweet us. We'll be back. This is the Evening Edition, BFM
0: 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.